Hi there, friends. Before we start today's episode, I just want to share from my heart how grateful I am for those of you who have come alongside us as financial partners. You know, this podcast is listener supported, meaning that the only way that you're hearing my voice or that you get the videos or any of the content that we deliver through the podcast is because of generous um, listeners just like you who come alongside and say, I believe in this work. I want to support it. And so we're so grateful for that. You know, as we wrap up 2023 and look ahead to 2024, we would sure love it if you would consider prayerfully to come alongside and support this ministry. You can do that by simply going to our website at bebroken.org slash donate, or you can call us and make your donation at 210-822-8201. Again, that's bebroken.org slash donate or call us at 210-822-8201. Thank you, and God bless you for your kindness towards this ministry. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. You know, we're a listener-supported outreach of Be Broken Ministries, and we exist to help individuals and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Just about every man who's ever entered recovery from unwanted sexual behaviors has wanted a quick fix to his addiction. But there are no quick fixes. In fact, true recovery is a years-long process that ultimately leads to deeper emotional growth over a lifetime. In today's episode, Stephen and I share a three-year roadmap of recovery and emotional growth that every man who enters recovery needs to understand and embrace if he wants lasting freedom and lifelong joy. The road of recovery may be long, but it is well worth walking it. To get Stephen's emotional growth resources for men, visit drmarriage.org. For even more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And please, friends, rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. All right, let's dive into today's conversation. Well, all right, Stephen Cervantes. Here hey, you are. Yes, glad to be are, here. We are here, and um, you know, it, it, we're recording this on a Friday, and and yet you've been having what feels like a Monday <laughs> car trouble and, oh, and <laughs> car trouble and prices of parts and labor costs and and then I got a head cold. And <clears throat> I've been dealing with for a few days. I said, give me coffee, lots of coffee when I got here. So what I think is going to be good for you is, you know, sometimes when I'm, I'm having a really, like, let's say rough week or whatever, but I know that there's like a gateway to freedom workshop coming up that weekend. Yeah. I look forward to it because I'm like, hey, I can kind of get in that bubble. I can get into that yes. place where nothing else can distract me. So hopefully the podcast this morning will be a place there where you, you can go. Of, hey, let me leave my car outside <clears throat> and all those problems and we'll dive into some stuff and here. be happy. Yeah. Perk up and sound good and sound well, smart. Well, what I'm excited about is the topic <clears throat> we're talking about today because, you know, we have a lot of guys that, especially when they're real early on, let's say they're in the first days, weeks, or months Mm-hmm. of their recovery journey and th- there's always just this idea of is there really hope for change like what can i expect what, you know what what should this look like or what could this look like it maybe year wow. one two or three yeah. you know yeah they're wanting to know <clears throat> is there like light at the end of this tunnel so do i take off now yeah, go ahead. I dig up. 
So I've been thinking about what does the recovery journey look like? And then, of course, I'm the emotional growth guy. So what does the emotional growth journey look like? Mm -hmm. And so I'll ask you about recovery, and then I'll talk about emotional growth. How long have you been on this recovery journey? Well, mine started in August of 1999. So that's 24 plus wow. years. So, so. 24 years. Mm -hmm. And how much of that would you say was recovering and finally getting to a sense of, of, of you know, ability to discipline and, and not slip? Because then you move into the next phase, which is the emotional growth phase. Well, for me, I feel like I was maybe a little bit of the slow kid in the class <laughs> on recovery. I mean, I would oh, say welcome. to get to a place where like the the acting out or the the slips and that kind of stuff was kind of in the rearview mirror was like a three to five year yeah. process for me. See, and, and so a guy shows up and he wants to get fixed. In three to five days, and, right? And, yeah. <laughs> And you hate to tell him, uh, you know, <clears throat> my, the, the, I try to say in the smallest increment, you should work for a year. Mm -hmm. But I really mean three years, but I don't <laughs> want to tell you that. And even a year is going to overwhelm you. You should work for the next three months mm -hmm. and then buy three more months. And then, th and then you get to a year. And by then, you should be doing good and feeling strong and seeing victory. And then you can move into year two. Then you can move into year three. Mm -hmm. But how do you tell a guy that showed up, he's just been busted, he's got 20 years of messing messing up, and he wants, he wants you to tell him that, yeah, send me to a Gateway to Freedom weekend and, and I want to come home cured. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, the thing is, is you have to, there's, there's two aspects that I usually tell guys about this. And, and that is one is on the behavioral side and the other is exactly uh, what you're talking about, about the emotional growth. And I say, I like yeah. to tell them the, the shorter journey, if you're really working recovery well, is going to be the behavior modification piece. I do believe that you can get yeah. to a point where, listen, you're not going to those behaviors. They're not your coping mechanisms anymore. You're not acting out with porn or any of those kinds of things. But what we really want to get them latched onto is the emotional growth because that is going to not only help with the behavior modification stuff, but it's part of the lifelong adventure right. and journey and, and the relational health and all those kinds the of things. The deeper, absolutely. And the deeper stuff holds you. Mm -hmm. All the behavioral stuff is okay. But you can stay in management mode on that forever no, if that's you stay right. stuck and, there. You, know, you can just be going to groups and talking about boundaries and accountability and how you fell, but you're going to do better and you promise. And, and you know, you can hear this, this sense of, um, you know, I, I'm trying, but it's hard. I can't get myself under control. I can't stop my behaviors. And, and you know, there are people that, that love the recovery work and they stay on that. There's nothing wrong with it. But, but you have to shift into deeper spiritual work. And you have to shift into deeper emotional work and not just do the behavioral. Go, be there, buy the book. You, you know, you have to, it has to weave into your soul yeah. this work. And a lot of times I try to give the distinction between abstinence versus freedom. Mm. And I think what you're That's talking about good. in terms of that just constant sort of recovery management. And listen, like we said, 
everything we're talking about here is actually good. Right. It's, it's not a bad thing to eliminate these behaviors, yeah. right? But you can also get stuck in an abstinence model, which is just saying the whole goal that I have is to not do these yeah, negative just things. don't, not, don't, not, stay away, don't. But, you know, you can only don't so long, and you you can only not so long, then you get tired of don't and not. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's when that's it becomes about, okay, what does freedom look like? What does actual <clears throat> yeah. liberation from this look like? And the people that do the recovery work, we love you. We Absolutely. need you to do it. You got to, that's the front do- door, the front line, the first step. You've got to do your recovery work. But then you've got to shift over into the deeper work of knowing yourself deeply and managing yourself. So the question comes up, what happens in the first year? What, what do I think would happen in year one? So I made a little list. It always starts with the crisis. 99. A guy didn't walk in and go, wow, you know what? I'm so tired of me. I want to work on me because I can't stand me. I got to work on me. No, it's I got caught. Or, or the crisis could be, there could be a sense in which there was a, um, a, a confession that came from him, but it was born out of a crisis. Like in my case, it was like, listen, I wanted to kill myself. Mm. So I was, I was tired of carrying this weight. So it wasn't that I got caught. I was too good, actually, at telling secrets <laughs> and lies and all that. But I finally, the crisis for me was, I'm, I've put a gun to my head a couple of times. Uh. And I was thinking... I don't want to do that. I don't actually want to do that, even though those were real thoughts. But that's still a crisis, right? Absolutely. And that's good. Hey, I also wanted to say, when I couldn't figure out my own life, and I was working as a city planner in Alaska, and I heard a minister come and talk about a marriage program in Abilene, Texas, that was the beginning 33 years ago of me going, I'm going to do my emotional growth work because I'm not that happy. Mm-hmm. Life is hard. It's, I, I have idealized versions of how life goes. Real life is hard and love requires sacrifice. And, and so for 33 years, I've been working on emotional growth. And I love that topic and loving how did men put themselves together? What do they believe? What's hindering them? What's not good in their system that's, you know, that's not working. So, so we're going down this list. Year one starts with a crisis most of the time. And, and secondly, there's starts and stops. And I love it's never example. smooth, right? Yeah. No, but <laughs> but we get these guys, and we, were, you know, I've been in groups, I've done groups and that at our church, and and these guys come in, and I mean, they come in hot, and they're ready, and they have all the answers, and by the third week, we never see them again. Mm-hmm. Starts and stops, starts, get tired, want to quit. I didn't know it was going to be this much work. I didn't know it was going to take this long. I just came in for a little tune-up. Can't you just tune me up and send me off? What do you mean i got to work for a year? I've been, uh, I've been facilitating and leading a group at my church every week for over 20 years. Wow. And uh, doing it for that amount of time... I've gotten to see many times where a guy comes in and man, you know, he's he's in there for, you know, six, eight weeks or whatever, and then somebody just disappears. And six months later, he's back. He comes crawling back, you know. <laughs> and I've had some guys that even like a few years later, 
will call me up and be like, hey, you guys still meeting? And I'm like, yep, we're still there every every Tuesday night, you know, so. I love that. And your group goes between recovery, emotional growth, spiritual growth, recovery, Mm -hmm. right? You'll do all of those things. That's the only way I think a guy can stay in group for the long time. Yeah. Because after a while, if it's just recovery, 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 you, you see those guys uh, sometimes kind of stuck. Yeah, it's a support. It's a support environment, but it's really always pointing towards that deeper stuff. Good. Like we want to keep going deeper. So starts and stops. Then we're going down this list. Number three, promises. No to change. No, no, really, I promise. No, no, this time it's going to be different. No, no, I'm never going to do it again. No, I'm I'm cured. No, 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 I I promise. I was just on the phone yesterday with a guy who he's facing criminal charges, basically, for some Mm. of his behavior and stuff. And, um, you know, it's like a bomb goes off in your life, right? The crisis, the bomb goes off. And I was I was actually telling him, I said, listen, you're you want you want you feel like you have to pick up all the pieces right now. And I said, there's two things you got to do. You have to absolutely slow everything down to a crawl and Mm. you have to not make any promises right now. (laughs) And he that's and it was good. like the way he responded to that was like oh almost like that's all I feel like doing is just promising everybody everybody that cares about me I'm I'm I promise I promise I promise you know and like nobody's believing you anyway no right I mean, you're yeah. just talking and talking it's like why are you making all that noise if you were so committed what happened yesterday mm-hmm. but if you had such a deep rich commitment so so three is promises four is apologies no no I'm sorry I'm so sorry no. I didn't mean to do it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna make it right this time. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think that's. Uh, I think what we're talking about here is different from what we. I think we'll eventually get to, and that is the, the true brokenness, the actual repentance. This is more of like the surface apology, the idea of you're still very self-focused, right? The yeah. apology is not actually about trying to understand and empathize with the person that you hurt or whatever. It's just saying, I don't like the discomfort of how everything blew up and my whole little world got you know, shattered yeah. and my control has gone away. And so I'm going to apologize to try to get things back to way the, the way I want. That's a great way to put it. I'm going to apologize so that you can calm down. Mm-hmm. I don't really know whether I'm going to manage this any better or not, but, but please calm down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Calm down, right? <clears throat> so we're going down this list. There's a lot of inner conflict going on. It's like, why did I do this? Can you explain it to me? It's so funny they come in and just tell me what's wrong with me, and then I'll fix that one thing and it'll be good, you know, because there's something's wrong, and I, I don't get it. And and I stop, and I start, and I, I make my apologies, I make my promises, and then I... And then I slip back, and you know, what, what, why am I doing? What's going on here? It's just a lot of con- inner conflict. Yeah, I think about I think about your car, and and the <laughs> fact that you know you can take your car in, and it's very easy and simple to get a diagnostic to figure out what's wrong with your car. Generally speaking, right? We don't operate in the same way. We're much more complex <clears throat> beings, right? Mm. And so the inner conflict isn't as easy as saying, "Oh, Steve, you're a counselor." You should be able to just plug me into whatever machine you got, diagnose me, <laughs> and then we can fix it, right? Yeah. Instead of realizing, wait a second, this is this is different than that. It's not going to be that simple. Uh, so, and you grow, join a group, we hope, mm-hmm. right away. Some people don't. 
And they finally realize, I don't want to go to group like those freaks. I, why, why would I go to group? They all complain. They all mess up every week. Everybody tells me how they messed up. That's not going to help me. Why do I need to go to group? And then finally they realize they don't have enough inner stuff, program, insight. They better go get around a group of people that are gathering insights and observations and sharing and you know, knowledge, new truths. So maybe I can use some of that material because I don't have it in me. If I had it in me, I'd be done. Yeah. The foundation of Christianity that changed the world was a small group. Mm. So keep that in mind when you're having this idea of thinking, I'm not going to join a group. Because think about what gets us in trouble and where we get to these crises points and all this kind of stuff or addiction or whatever is actually becoming more isolated from community right? That's what gets us into trouble. So in that first year, I hope, hopefully in those first weeks, you get plugged into a group because your, your life will not change separate from community and connection with right, other Right. And you can work with another man. You can work with your pastor. And he and I are doing this together. And then he's busy and he can't meet as much and whatever. Fine. But if there's a weekly group mm-hmm. and there's yeah. even online groups, I mean, there's almost no excuse anymore. Yeah. Uh, and what in that first year you start to to try on some new thinking and some new insights, you start to use new language, you try new behaviors, things you've never done before. Because look, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. Mm-hmm. You know the saying. So, you know, I'll even tell a wife, watch for new behavior. And listen for new language. Oh, I read this book and I got this new concept and I'm trying it out. New language. I go to group. I call a friend. I have accountability. You can see a book by my nightstand and I read my book. I'm on my knees praying. I'm in the men's class. New behavior. Mm-hmm. New new language. Change is starting to percolate through the system. Yeah, Jesus put it this way, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. That is both saying what's on the inside will eventually come out, but the fact that he's talking about the mouth speaks, like there's new language, whatever whatever is actually inside is going Mm. to show up in your language, going to show up in your speech. Mm. And so if, you know, like you said, telling these wives, if none of that language changes, we're not talking about like cursing or anything, we're just saying... It could be that, <laughs> but you're you're hearing new words. You're hearing new thoughts. Yep. What that means is the inside is changing because it's coming out. Mm, that's good. So you make new friends. Well, I was just reading this little article about how men make friends in high school and college, and after that, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to make new friends. And so, if you have a couple of friends, you're unique. The loneliness is really a problem in this country. And and one guy was saying, my father never had a friend. He came home. He spent time with mom and the kids. I never saw my dad go out with his friend and golf or fish. or He had no friends. And, you know, I think, well, you know, if you go to group, you develop friends. Mm-hmm. Right? You go to church. You go to Sunday school, Bible class. You start looking for friends in recovery. You know, men make men better. We yeah. don't get better alone. We stay the same alone. Mm-hmm. So people would, I got to get rid of my friends. Well, guess what? Your old friends got you here. Yeah. Make, you know, some, make they some new friends. Yeah. If they were going to get you somewhere else, okay, fine. Yeah. 
That's good. So make some new friends. Movement from self-pleasure to a more disciplined life. You know, I want, I need me fast, quick, and sexual, mm-hmm. right? But then how do we actually discipline ourselves so we try other things, not just run to sexuality, stressed, run to sex, tired, run to sex, moodies, feel bad, right? No, how do we practice healthy disciplines? Yeah, I love the way that uh, Chip Ingram described it. He's a pastor and author and everything, and he says, He's talking about it in relationship to the gospel, I think, but I think it applies to recovery too. He says a new life requires a new lifestyle. Mm. So the idea is if you're saying, hey, I want to be different, I don't yeah. want to keep doing these things. Well, guess what? The way in which you are doing your life has to change. So, oh, I mean, you good. mentioned it a minute ago, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. Um, but I think in the sense of moving from self-pleasure to more disciplined life, you, there is a sense in which you have to say, I'm setting my marker towards a specific goal. And what we've been talking about is, mm-hmm. hey, I want to I be growing emotionally. I want to become more engaged in my relationships. I want to become more mm-hmm. faithful in yeah. my uh, you know, uh, faith. Those types of things. Well, then what are the disciplines that are part of that? And I think a lot of those things can, those structures can get put in place in that first year because you're realizing, okay, what got me to where that crisis point were things that were basically saying, I'm following wherever the winds of my pleasure, mm. you know, yeah, push me. And now it's like, no, I've got to, I've got to be more anchored in my life. And I've got to say, when those winds blow, I can't be taken off course. I've got to be more disciplined. Mm. So the last thing in year one is your faith grows. You got to pray daily. You got to pray out loud. You got to be aware that God's around and walking with your God. That you just have to up your game spiritually. Mm-hmm. So then we go into year two. What starts happening in year year two? Guys in year two have clearer thinking. They the the fuzziness, the instant, the quick fix. They realize, no, my, my thinking has been off, and I used to think like that, and my thinking has changed, and the old me, you can hear the, you can hear that clarity. Well, think about it this way. So much of what's happening in the first year, there is a purging that is going on, right? You have been, you're basically, your soul and your emotions and your mind is stuffed full mm-hmm. of all of this gunk, you know, bad mm-hmm. thinking, bad theology, bad habits, all of those kinds of things. So a lot of what that first year is and a lot of stuff we were talking about there is, hey, you know, getting into group and, you know, all these types of things is there's a purging that's going on. Well, guess what happens when all that gunk starts to get purged? It, it is like, hey, the clouds parted. The mm-hmm. sun is shining emotionally now or in my thoughts. And there is a sense in which there's not as much hurriedness to the mm-hmm. way my brain is working it's all starting to calm down a little bit. And therefore, yeah, you're going to think a lot clearer. That's good. And there's a sense in the second year of being more comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that when you tell your stories and pieces come out and you didn't die, you know, okay, nobody judged me. I said this thing. They don't think I'm a freak. And Right? There's a sense that maybe maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm really, I got in a problem to work on, but... But maybe the whole of me isn't bad. Yeah. There's a comfort that arises. And some of that, I think, is because 
everything prior in the addiction was usually some form of escape, whether we were consciously aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. We're trying to escape. We're trying to medicate. We're trying to numb out. We're trying to get away from whatever the pain is, right? Mm-hmm. This is saying I can be I can be more comfortable in my yeah. uh, s- uh, solitude with myself. Oh, yeah. I'm not scared as much of being alone because I'm learning how to not make bad decisions when I'm alone. <laughs> like I'm learning how to actually make better decisions when I'm by myself. And so good. So I am changing, and man. Initially, it's like, I can't change. Really, I can't change. I've lived this with my whole life. But you start changing, and you become more receptive to change. And you start looking for new ideas that are better than your ideas, right? And deeper and richer and spiritual truths versus just momentary pleasure. What, what are the bigger ideas? And so you, you're open to changing. After a year of fighting it, your second year, you go, okay, what are we working on now? Mm-hmm. What are we going to read? How are we going to grow? What's the topic? I know it's going to push on me, but I'm more open. Well, and that bleeds right into the next one of just kind of less fighting against and more moving towards. There's yes. a sense in which you're realizing that um, I don't have to always have the answer. Mm. I think a lot of what addiction does is it kind of it it just sort of cements you in yes. this pride. That mm-hmm. says, I know it all and I'm, you know, I know what's best for me. So less fighting and, and the next one to be bigger inner battles are being won. Mm-hmm. The biggest battle, I'm starting to get a handle on it. It doesn't own me. And it's becoming a little more battle. And guess what? Other battles are rising. And I'm fighting this battle over here of sexual integrity and then conflict with my wife and better communication. And, and I'm fighting not just one giant battle, but, but that's coming down. Yeah. You're starting to see the layers that, that can be changed and that can be worked on, mm-hmm. right? Whereas at first, it's just like I've got one thing that I'm trying to do and stop acting out. You know? Right. So healthier thinking, decision-making, acting behaviorally. As your thinking clears up, your decisions are better, your behaviors are better. In the second year, you get, get healthier thinking going. And you start getting outside of yourself and becoming aware of the needs of others, which is the next one. Yeah. You know, it's like... Again, everything about addiction makes you very self-centered and self-focused. So it takes a while to kind of break out of that and say, okay, once I'm starting to purge these bad things and learning some healthy habits, now I realize, oh, there's another human being here that has needs and and struggles. (laughs) And (laughs) and struggles and needs support and encouragement. Oh, my goodness. I'm here for them. Mm -hmm. I thought everybody was here for me. Right, right. So, And then there's a sense that... Praying every day and talking to God every day, you know what? I'm closer to God. I'm mm-hmm. looking for Him every day. I'm more aware of His presence. And the last one is valuing discipline. You see, in, I think in the first year, you start to put into place some of these disciplines and realize I've got to live a more disciplined life. Yeah. But sometimes you can start that with the idea of like, I know this is good for me. But I'm not maybe necessarily convinced in my experience. Yeah. But the more you do it, you realize, you know what? 
having structure, having some boundaries, having some walls, yeah. boy, that is really good for my life. It, it, it helps me to know what to say no to. It clarifies things, and you yeah. start to value that discipline more. So you love discipline. It's a good thing, not, oh, let's be free and chaotic and fun and impulsive. Right. It's like, no, no, that's where the crazy happens. So year three, you, you realize, you know what? I'm not the same guy that started this journey a couple of years ago, because now I'm going into year three, and I look back over the last two years, man, a lot of stuff I was doing fell off. A lot of my thinking changed. I don't do those things. I don't have the same friends. I want to go to support the guys in my group that are struggling. I want to help others. I want to join my church ministry now. I, I'm not the same guy. Yeah, and that's always fun to see, because then... I think that even increases hope for continuing to say, I want to stay on this journey and I want to keep going in this direction. Amen. And that's powerful. The next thing is, is I have deep sorrow for the time I've wasted, the things I've done, the people I've hurt. The Sorrow is our friend. Sadness Mm. is a friend because it's anchoring us into some hard reality. We want to run away from it. We don't want to be sad, you know? And this when is, you're sorrowful. And this is the difference. Remember, early on, we said in the first year, you had all these apologies, right? Yeah. That's not true lament. That's not true repentance, right? I think sometimes it takes a little while. And when you get into that third year, I do think you can get to a place where you're going, oh, you know what? There is a there is a good kind of sadness Amen. that I'm feeling that is not just trying to fix things, right? but is really trying to say, can my heart be transformed by lament? And that's yes, a good thing. and in the sadness, I go, do I want to do it again? Right, right. Do I want to hurt me and hurt you and practice bad skill? Do I want to be stupid? Oh, no, I'm sad for the destruction. When you look back, what path did you leave behind you using mm-hmm. and taking? And So you're starting to love much deeper in the third year in valuing love and talking about love and understanding love is sacrifice and d- discipline. You do the name, keep going. Well, and then you also, you realize you're standing on a very firm foundation. Like what's happened over the last two years, you're realizing there is a new life being built here. Yes. And so there, there's a new confidence that is that is that uh, comes about, not in yourself, but in the mm. mercy and grace of God. The idea that, wow, I've gotten a second chance. I, you know, I, I can, there's do-overs that are allowed yes. in God's kingdom. And so. So the next one is trust. And. You know, I've, I've sort of always known this from a wise person, trust, trust, trust. But in a future podcast, we're going to be talking about the power of trusting that changes a man. It has nothing to do with your wife. Yeah. It has something to do with you. But trust and rebuilding trust is so powerful. And then even more so in year three than in year two, you start to feel safe even when you're alone. Mm. There's, there's not a sense of, because, you know, early on, if... You know, a guy a month into his recovery, if he's left alone, he almost expects that he's going to make a bad decision because that's been the whole pattern <laughs> right, before right. that, right? That's right. Now, you know, after a couple of years and you're in year three, you go, I'm not scared Amen. of being alone. I don't Amen. have to be afraid of that. And you become more humble. You know, I'm really not invincible. You put me you put me under a stress and you leave me alone. I get weird in my own head. <clears throat> I better be I better be on my A game on guard and, and humble because I can fall still. I'm still humanity. Mm-hmm. 
And then I think I want to say another thing about discipline here. You start to see discipline actually as a path to joy. Mm, you know, good. so many times what addiction will teach you is like, you know, every kind of boundary or every kind of wall that you could ha- put up in your life is limiting your joy. It's limiting the you know excitement you can have in life. No, what you start to realize is that disciplined life, staying within the boundaries is where real joy and peace come, not when you're trying to jump the wall all the time. Right. And then I would add, by this time, you realize God's called you to leadership. Mm -hmm. Lead a brother who's struggling. Lead a friend who tells you he has a problem. Be willing to step up. By the time you've worked with other men and read books, you are a leader. And maybe it's only one of the guy, or maybe it's two guys, or maybe it's a little group in your church, or maybe it's a class you teach from a book. But you realize, by I have to, I have to give back now. Mm-hmm. I have to lead. Well, this has been really good, and and guys out there, you know, I hope what you've been hearing from us is a hopeful message that we want to try to help you understand. This is not a journey. Recovery is not a journey that leads to a place of more despair, mm-hmm. more brokenness, more, you know, um, of the addiction. It leads to a place where you see here there's a progressive goodness that starts to grow out of that. And so we want to help you take your next best step on mm-hmm. your journey to real freedom. Mm-hmm. And so please reach out to us. And we're so glad that you've been with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Thank you. Hey, can I plug my Dr. Mary? Absolutely, yes. So if you want to read some more in daily encouragement thoughts, go to drmarriage.org. I'm posting daily thoughts there. Awesome. Thank you all. Have a great day. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.